millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I think the extent to which I had to perform um, this character and this very strong sort of brand identity has meant that I am totally committed to being nothing but myself going forward in all areas. Like I'm completely my, well, as much as I'm able to be, I'm completely myself on social media and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm myself at work in meetings with my family, with my friends. I'm just, I try to be, I guess, as authentic as possible, which sounds ridiculous because why would anyone not be? But we live in a world where we're performing so many masked versions of ourselves wherever we are. And I think removing myself from a situation where anyone has ever really known me and certainly in coming into a situation where nobody knows anything about Deliciously Stella has finally given me the freedom to almost go, who am I? What do I like? What do I want? And just do it. You're listening to The Alonement Podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone, and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, at the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. This is the first episode of Alonement Season 5, can you believe? And my guest for this week's episode is author and comedian Bella Younger, better known perhaps as her social media alter ego, Deliciously Stella. At the height of her Instagram fame, Bella had 150,000 followers, a fan base she gained through parodying the booming wellness industry. As hashtag eating clean became a status symbol in its own right, Bella shared pictures of herself eating Cadbury's cream eggs on toast. And I know I definitely remember receiving a few via WhatsApp back in the day. But ultimately, the joke backfired. Because even Bella wasn't immune to the pressure of becoming an influencer, even if her platform was based on irony. Her new memoir, The Accidental Influencer, is subtitled How My Need to Get Likes Nearly Ruined My Life. And that's no exaggeration. The pressure to keep up with social media even landed Bella in the Priory for a month. You don't have to have 150,000 followers, or even 150, to relate to what Bella went through. 
Hers is an experience that speaks to anyone who has ever felt the quality of their real life becoming damaged by social media. And I'd hazard a guess that's pretty much most people listening to this episode, myself included. Bella and I had an absolutely fascinating conversation about online versus offline identity and where we find true, satisfying connection with other people. We also speak about being natural extroverts who spent a lot of our lives avoiding any time alone as a result. Plus, why being an influencer was, by some way, the loneliest time of Bella's life. I enjoyed following Deliciously Stella back in the day, but I found the real Bella ten times funnier, and I think you will too. She is incredibly interesting candid and I'd say profoundly influential. Let's get started with the episode. I took my first COVID test ever this morning because I've been living in Spain for the past year on an island with absolutely no coronavirus. I'm flying back tomorrow morning. And it it wasn't as horror story-esque as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I feel like it's never a easy sell with the whole sort of swab down your throat and nose. Well, they don't do the nose. I only got the throat. And I was like, you know what, like on a one to smear test, it wasn't that bad. And now (laughs) I'm like, maybe they did it wrong and I have got COVID. And, you know, I've gone to some like dodgy test center but I was like oh that wasn't too traumatic yeah I'm glad to hear uh yeah oh my god I can't believe it's only your first I've done about 15 I feel like I'm just doing them as a hobby these days (laughs) I know I feel I feel sort of like a weird um completely undereducated COVID person and I'm just going to fly back into the UK and just not know what I'm doing and not remember how to like properly social distance or anything I will I will I'll just lube (laughs) myself in hand sanitizer and I'll be fine Yes. And so it's Mallorca that you're at It now. is. Yeah. It's funny because that is just where the book leaves off. You say that you go to Mallorca and you say for the first time in years, I was on my own with only myself to rely on. I read that line and I thought, well, I have to find out how this went. Yeah. I mean, my aloneness has been interrupted briefly by the fact that my parents are now out because I, I stay in their house. But I have never, I have never lived alone. I have never been alone. I mean, I went to boarding school. I shared a bedroom for the you know, in all of my formative years until I was 18. And I now live in the countryside, in honest to God, the middle of nowhere. Um like on a tiny sort of dirt road is about a half an hour walk into the local village. I actually, the other day was like, I don't know what I'd do if I needed an ambulance because we don't have addresses out here. So it's, it's the most remote living that I think I could have imagined bar sort of going to live in the woods. And it's been incredible. Wow. I mean, yeah. Talk about, talk about isolated. I can't, even imagine that half an hour away from any shops, I guess, or anything, right? Yeah, if I'm walking, I do now have a car, but it's it just, yeah, I mean, someone who lives in sort of rural Wales will probably laugh at me. But for me, it feels like the first time I've ever been properly alone. And like you said, self-reliant. 
Okay, so at the end of the book, you say, uh, you, you write that you're an extrovert and a people person. And the quote that really stuck with me is, uh, I suffer alone and I thrive among others. How much is that true now? Well, I'd say that I'm a little, I'm a little mix of both. I think that I always assumed that I needed to be constantly surrounded by people to sort of feel, feel energized and sort of to distract me from the thoughts inside my own head. But, you know, I've, I've had an enormous amount of therapy over the past couple of years. And once I, once I got to Mallorca and I was on my own and I started seeing people, I realized that I actually need a bit of both. And while I love going to parties and I love spending time with lots of people, I also need to go home and sort of recharge on my own. And I, I just, I never thought that I would, ever, I would ever have needed that before. Mm, that's super interesting. And also, you know, I always feel with, uh, with books, they, they take such a long time to actually write and come out that it doesn't give the most updated version of you. So it's really interesting to be hearing that now, obviously, you know, your book, uh, the accidental influencer that only came out a couple of months ago, but it sounds like you've made such well. I mean, I am biased. I call it progress in terms of that learning to enjoy being alone, even even since that period. No, I would definitely call it progress. It's been it's been so so quick, and it's been completely transformative. And just I just didn't know that that's what I needed because as I think it's very rare that you're given an opportunity to sort of take yourself away from all of your comfort zones and all of your support systems and put yourself you know, genuinely in a very alien situation and I think that I'd always assumed that I wasn't capable of being this alone and proving that to myself I think has done absolute wonders for my self-esteem I'd say. Mm, that's interesting that it's self-esteem that you say that that's influenced most. I think I've always thought that I'm quite pathetic. Like I've always sort of just assumed that um, I need things to be done for me and that I'm a bit of a baby and I'm not very brave. And then I got out here and I was like, well, there's nobody here who will do any of these things for you. And I am really brave and I love living on my own. And, you know, even the other people I know out here who've done similar things are like, I could never have done this without my boyfriend or without my family or without, you know, my friendship group. And I was, I was really surprised by how many people were like, you must be really ballsy. And I was like, no, I'm ridiculous. Like I'm pathetic. And they were like, no, absolutely not. You're just not. So you're owning it now. So you are really ballsy. You've, you've leaned into that. I am leaning into it. You know, I've been through a lot. You've probably read in the book and I'm out the other side and I'm on my own and I'm like, yeah, like you did this all on your own. And that's really impressive. Yeah. And alone, I don't know. I, I wonder what your perception of it is having, a, you know, basically had this huge following on Instagram and still having this huge following on Instagram does you know does being alone with your phone count does being alone with all your followers count or is that a different type of aloneness that you're talking about now I think it's a really difficult question to answer because for, for lots of people who view social media as a tool for connection which obviously it is I guess they would suggest that maybe maybe I'm not alone and I think maybe at a time when I was using social media a lot more I would have been seeking connection in my phone and I would have considered myself not to be alone because I was with my followers. But through all the sort of work that I've done and the process of writing the book, I've learned that that what my followers 
give me, I don't think is, is the genuine connection that would stop me feeling lonely. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I don't really speak to anyone on there anymore. So I don't post very often. I don't do a huge amount of interacting. Like I'll do a look. I'm very nosy, but I don't think I, I use it to get that sort of attempt at intimacy that I used to. Mm, that's interesting. So attempt at intimacy. So it never really did serve that intimacy then. No, absolutely not. Because I mean, followers essentially are they're fans, not friends. And I think that what I really wanted from my social media is I was desperately, desperate to be intimately known and to be loved for who I am. But it's impossible to share all the nuances of what makes you who you are on your Instagram. And therefore, nobody knows you and you're unable to form the intimate connection that you want. Mm. Yeah, I am thinking about there's in your book, you talk about how you have always struggled with sleep and how Mm. when you when you go on Instagram at night uh, you never have to be alone with your thoughts do you think that it's interesting to me that you talk about that as a means of not being alone with your thoughts but actually it doesn't seem to have given you the alternative to your thoughts that you maybe wanted it to in terms of that intimacy and connection Exactly. Because I I think that the time that I spent on Instagram trying to distract myself from my thoughts, I was just feeding more negative thoughts back into my brain. So being on Instagram all the time obviously did the usual things. It bred lots of comparison. And, you know, it made me wonder why I wasn't seeing these people in real life who I used to, and I was just seeing them through my phone. And in turn, it sort of made me feel more lonely and more isolated from my friends because I knew that they didn't rely on this strange little piece of technology to, to get the sort of warmth that they needed. And I was sort of so busy and so wrapped up in my social media world, that that's all I really had. Mm. And now how does how does connection work, you know, in a, in a simple way on a day-to-day basis, you said that you're half an hour away from, you know, from the town when you're walking in, how, how do you get that level of, you know, feeding, feeding your extroversion that you need in order to feel okay when you're by yourself? What's the community like there? you basically have to be totally shameless and you have to be willing to try anything. So I got here and I was still like in a sort of like London mindset. And I was like, I'll just find some really like-minded people who like, like, you know, drinking and dance music and like the things that I thought were the things that I loved, which I do still love, but in a smaller way. And then I was like, okay, you're not going to find anyone like this here. Like you're going to have to find something else to connect through. So I just signed up for clubs so I joined a club called Stitch and Bitch in the local village where I go and I get taught how to crochet by old ladies. And, and are they bitchy? Oh, it's super bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not bitchy. They're so sweet and it's so fun. And there's just, there's a real amazing sense of community. Like every shop that you go into, every bar that you go into, you just make friends with everyone who works there and everyone gets to know you. And Yeah, it's been brilliant. I've met people completely different to anyone who I would ever meet. And people are willing to try stuff here. So like I got set up on a friend date and this woman was like, this might sound weird, but 
do you want to go on a horse riding safari for two days? And I was like, well, I haven't ridden a horse since I was 13. But yeah, like, why not? And that's a sort of amazing bonding experience. It doesn't involve, involve anything that you would have done before. Yeah, completely. Um, and I mean, there's such, there's such interesting interests. I, I guess, I don't know, I think a lot about hobbies because in London, I feel like there's so much to do. And, you know, this is true of any major city when you're living in the center there's so much to do that you do actually fill your time not being very creative about it just thinking oh you know what restaurant am I going to go to where am I going to drink uh whereas I don't know I feel like what you're doing is making your own fun in a way that sounds very fulfilling I mean a a horse safari sounds (laughs) sounds like a good time well I think that um I think that with COVID it's been it's been sort of necessary because bars and restaurants here have been closed for quite a long time. And so we had to think outside the box and you were allowed to hike in groups of people. So I ended up getting quite into hiking. And I mean, I'm lazy as a toad. So the first hike that I went on, I had a panic attack and I had to walk back down the hill. And then the second hike that I went on, I was like, okay, you're just going to have to commit to this because this is how people hang out and this is how you make friends. And now I love it. Now I'm like into hiking. My mom's like, who are you? What have you become? Like, you're not the same. And it's, it's just been great. You just, I think you just push yourself a little bit harder. Yeah. It's interesting because I, and so many people listening to this will have first known you as deliciously stellar. And Mm. do you think that, do you feel differently about, I don't know, I don't even want to call it wellness because it's such a parody term, but do you feel differently about it having actually lived somewhere that's so removed from that, but you're actually, I feel like you're living a really genuine version of what people are looking for when they're drinking their green juices. Yeah. I mean, I think I've, I've got a lot of confessions to make. I mean, this Island is so woo woo and I am like was the most sort of like science-based hard line, like couldn't tolerate anything alternative extremely anti-wellness um type of person and then I got here and I was like oh yeah maybe I'll have a little acupuncture maybe it'll be fine became obsessed with acupuncture and then my friend's like oh yeah we're going to like a full moon ceremony but it's really just like you know a fun thing and then I'm like oh my god I'm at a ceremony and then next thing I know I'm (laughs) like yeah I had Reiki yesterday and I loved it and it's it's been totally bizarre and everyone's like I thought that you were just some sort of extreme like sort of angry little witch who absolutely hated everything and I really was and I still I still am in many ways and I think when I come back to London I'm going to be like whoa what am I doing but I don't know I just I just feel like this has been a year of just trying things and being more accepting of different things and just just letting people do things that I don't agree with necessarily and just not kicking up a fuss about it Mm, that's interesting you were known for so long by something that wasn't your name. You were so much a brand. And so many people on Instagram were a brand, but you were very obviously a brand because you weren't, you know, you weren't using your name. You were very much known for, you know, the parodying that you did. Do you think that maybe limited you from actually exploring some of these things without, I don't know, feeling like a parody of a parody? Totally. Like, all the time it got to the point where I couldn't really go to the gym because people would spot me in the gym and they'd be like oh busted and I was like well I mean I'm on a cross trainer for like 20 minutes like what what have I done and because I so 
um, yeah, I mean, I lent into the brand so, so hard of sort of loving junk food and not doing any exercise. But to me, it was really clear that it was a joke and that Delicious Seller was, was, a, was a character and wasn't who I was as a person. But it became very clear when I started to try and sort of work in TV and other sorts of things that people wanted me to be her. And so they'd pick up on things that they had decided she was that I hadn't even decided she was. So they decided that she didn't have a voice like mine. And they'd be like, whoa, gosh, you sound so posh. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm a bit posh. Why? And they were like, oh, no, I mean, Sella's not posh. I was like, well, I created her, guys. <laughs> she could be. Yes, because I think even especially especially back then, you know, because, I mean, Instagram has Instagram is rapidly becoming more of a video platform, but it was more picture-based. Totally. It was just silent, smiling squares, and then me standing there, like, making a healthy recipe out of sweets. And people just projected their own ideas of of who I was onto it. And, you know, obviously, because that's the name I was known as, every time I was in public and someone asked me, someone would come up to me, they'd be like, oh, are you deliciously seller? And I'd say yes. And the more I said yes, the more I went, I actually am. And that means I should be doing deliciously seller stuff when I'm out and about. So I'd go for a meeting with a journalist and I'd always order chips. I'd always say yes to wine at lunchtime. I'd, I'd go to these press launches and they'd be like can you make some content and I always had to be sort of joke mocking anything that was that was healthy I always had to be the person who was eating the most unhealthy dish and I sort of I resented the character so much because I wanted to step away from her but I also leaned into her so hard because I thought that's what everyone wanted from me yeah there's a bit in the book where you go to a press breakfast and they bring you is it like a green fizzy drink instead of a green juice or something like that? It sounds awful. Yeah. So that was actually, I was at a meeting with a production company. So I was pitching to make a TV show. It was about nine in the morning and I go in and they don't bring food to these meetings. I've done a million. I used to work in telly and this tray of sweets comes out and it's like Haribo eggs, appetizer. And they're like, do you want a green juice? And I'm like, absolutely not. I just brush my teeth. Like it's going to taste absolutely disgusting. But you're like, oh, but this person might put me on the TV. So I've, I've got to say yes. And you're like, yeah, love it. McDonald's for breakfast. And I was, and I was just like, when does this end? How can I, how can I step out of this and just be like, by the way, I'm Steve Coogan, not Alan Partridge. Like, you can't do it. And so how does that feel now that your book is, what well, your book, your Instagram account now, or under your actual name in terms of you know who you are and being an individual in some ways it's quite useful to have a separation because then you can be yourself to your friends and your family and a brand elsewhere and it doesn't I don't know they don't they don't get tangled up but Mm. how, how do you find it now it's all under your name I think the extent to which I had to perform um this character and this very strong sort of brand identity has meant that I am totally committed to being nothing but myself going forward in all areas like I'm completely my well as much as I'm able to be I'm completely myself on social media and you know I'm I'm, I'm myself at work in meetings with my family with my friends I'm just I try to be I guess as authentic as possible which sounds ridiculous because why would anyone not be but we live in a world where we're performing so many masked versions of ourselves wherever we are and I think removing myself from a situation where anyone has ever really known me and certainly in coming into a situation where nobody knows anything about deliciously stellar has finally given me the freedom to almost go who am I what do I like what do I want and just do it 
And it, and it turns out the real you actually does quite like hiking, etc. I quite like hiking. It's embarrassing. I like hiking and I like crochet. <laughs> Who knew? I can just see the exclusive from this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Deliciously Stella loves hiking. <laughs> I know. Everyone will be like, yeah, I like hiking. Why is that a big deal? I'm like, listen, <laughs> I told people I really didn't like hiking. Yeah. Yeah, and and your range of green juices, is that coming to Itsu anytime soon? Oh, yeah, totally. I actually, I am going to start making jam and selling it in the village, but it's not healthy jam. It's like chili jam. It's full of sugar. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not, imagine, imagine if I started a line of like nut butters. Imagine, imagine, and just, you know, trying to do it quietly in Mallorca and no one knows about it. And then suddenly it comes out. You know, it wouldn't be out of the question. So in Mallorca, 96% of produce here gets wasted because it just drops off the trees and they don't have time to harvest it because everyone's got almond trees and everything in their back garden. And I had a friend who works in food at the UN staying and she was like, you could glean all those almonds and you could make nut butter. And I was like, Tash, do you know who I am? (laughs) How are we going to market this? Uh, Oh Well, I mean, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. And a lot of your book, it talks about, you know, it took things like phone addiction and, you know, the, the dark side of being an influencer effectively. Um, and you also talk about the loneliness of being an influencer. And I think that that's really interesting when that sense of being alone and not wanting to be alone, even though you are either virtually or physically surrounded by people, um, it's, it's, you know, it's a really interesting question because so often I think people think, you know, you've got that many followers. How could you ever feel lonely? Could, you know, could you tell me more about that experience? I found being an influencer to be the loneliest endeavor I have ever made in my entire life because everything that I did was to benefit me. And it's, it's, it's so difficult to explain, but it just it felt like such a selfish, self-indulgent thing to be doing. And it's, it's, it's so, I mean, I basically just spent a huge amount of time on my own in my bedroom and that made me very lonely. And I was performing a character who wasn't myself and that made me feel very lonely. And, you know, my day might consist of one press breakfast and then nothing else. And I'd sort of get chucked out onto the street on Carnaby Street at like 11.30 after the breakfast was over. And I'd be like, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? How am I going to fill it? Who am I going to see? All my friends are at work. And, um, you know, I didn't have a photographer because I just took photos of myself. So I'd, I'd always end up sort of like calling my aunt and being like, can I pop around for lunch? And, you know, will you, will you take a picture of me shaking some sausages or something for my Instagram? And it, I was just desperately seeking camaraderie and there was none Mm. yeah Uh, because it is a very solitary profession and you know your book obviously it came out at the well towards the end of lockdown lockdown three I want want to call it lockdown 100 but you know so it came out Mm. towards the end of the third lockdown restrictions all easing up and obviously the past 18 months people would have become much more used to that feeling of loneliness even if they do work for a company because you're not with your colleagues physically it's actually becoming more and more relevant that discussion of the loneliness of not having 
people around that you're working with you know I suppose you don't think about it when you see someone's edited photo on Instagram or you know someone who has a lot of different posts but I suppose it is very solitary it does it takes a long time to sit there scrolling through analytics or getting things right on social media whatever the you know whatever the content is that you're creating that is it's almost it's almost like a kind of quite creative artistic process but the aloneness is also it's less pure I suppose because we all know that social media in itself can make you feel lonely so rather than being alone with the art and that being a fulfilling thing I imagine that's quite difficult yeah, I think that there was a real feeling for me that I wasn't working towards a common goal with anyone else. And I didn't really feel like I was I was bettering the world in any significant way. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I was entertaining and I enjoyed that. But, you know, the I, I felt like in, in, a, in a comedy club, you could even you could feel people willing you to, to succeed or to fail. You, there was feeling there. And I felt like um, posting on Instagram for me was completely devoid of feeling. Mm. partly because I was quite mentally ill um partly just because it's it's not real Mm. yeah I suppose it's not I mean you can't you know you don't get to see it in sort of hard form in the way that you would get to see a book or a piece of art yeah and also I think I think I just I think I just undervalued it as an art form which is something that I'm trying to to make peace This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
with and redress because I know a lot of influencers who are super dynamic and really interesting and work incredibly hard and and really really enjoy their jobs and I think it just really was not for me I think bearing bearing the weight of how well or how badly a post performed was just too much for my little brain to handle I think that you've got to be quite steely to deal with that there's a really poignant scene in the book where you I think you're on the way to the priory but you you're put or you're on on the way to see your psychiatrist and you post something on Instagram and it doesn't quite get enough likes in 10 minutes and that's what really has a huge effect on you and a huge visceral reaction yeah and funnily enough I ended up going into the priory because I was so alone because I was so lonely and I I knew that when I was in there that however sick I was and however mad it might make me feel to be in there I wouldn't be by myself and that there would be other people who were having if not the same but similar experiences to me and I just I think I just really wanted to be looked after I wanted to feel other human beings around me who cared about me in a capacity that was not what I could do for them as an influencer. Right. Wow. So that's really powerful. So being in a mental health hospital, it gives you a sense of community in totally. a strange way. Yeah, it, it, it was. It was it was the best sense of community that I'd had since the whole experience started. And just nobody knew who I was, nobody cared. Everyone was so focused on their own journey and getting better, but also on making sure that everyone else got better together. And I met some truly amazing people in there, the staff and the patients. And most of all, yeah, it just made me feel so much less alone. And how long were you there? I was there for a month. A month. But then when you came out, then you continued in the trajectory that you were going on. Oh, I was doing comedy shows when I was in the Priory. I was getting taxis to um, gigs and coming back. It was, I mean, for lack of a better word, a really crazy time. And my psychiatrist was like, we don't want you to fall behind with your job because that will then make you feel sicker and it will make you feel worse about yourself. So just just keep going and do as much as you can do while you're here. Wow. Even influencers now, I know, you know, I, I occasionally I'll see someone post something like oh you know sorry I haven't posted today guys or even sorry I haven't posted this week guys and then there almost has to be this big dramatic reason why they haven't shared every bit of their life on social media and it's it's amazing to see because I don't know it's it's almost it's it feels like when you have a huge following you're the one winning you're the one that sets the that sets the tone that can can do what you want but actually you became but you become almost enslaved to the followers I was totally enslaved to the followers when I was in the priory people were messaging me constantly being like why have you not posted today what's going on and so I made my dad buy a packet of party rings and bring it into the priory so I can make a joke about whole foods like I was so so worried that I was going to let them down that I couldn't give myself a break when I was at absolute rock bottom. Mm. And I think that the thought of them not following me anymore made me feel like I would then be alone. 
But really, I was feeling alone in the experience I was going through because I couldn't talk to anyone about it. But then when you spoke about loneliness also being a product of not being yourself, I mean, back then they were following Stella, not you. Mm. Yeah, 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 totally. They were all following, they were all following Stella. Mm. And yeah, it sort of felt like I was letting this, this person that I'd created take over my life and live all the best bits while I had to live all of the worst bits in a way. Does it affect you that now that you post as Bella, as yourself, does it affect you that you have lost followers through that? Or do you feel like those followers are maybe a bit more genuine now? At first, it felt absolutely dreadful. It felt awful. Every time I posted, I'd lose hundreds and hundreds of followers. And I just felt that everyone hated me and that they wanted me to do this thing that was that was making me sad and that you know and I just felt so much regret that I hadn't just been myself all along and then I was like but you are still yourself you don't need followers for you to be yourself you don't need people to tell you that you're a good person to be a good person and it just took a a, a lot of processing and just coming to terms with being okay if it all went away like now I could honestly say that if Instagram died or if my Instagram account got deleted, I wouldn't be worried. I'd be absolutely fine. And that's why it's okay to see the number going up and down or wherever it's going, because I mean, all my friends still follow me. It doesn't really matter. Do you feel totally immune to it? Or do you feel on some level it would feel like a blow losing that account? Well, there's always a little voice in my head that's unhelpful that will come in and be like, oh, look, people aren't following you. They think you're shit. Like they don't want to blah, 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 And then you just have to go, okay, I hear you. Thanks for that. But it's, you don't need it. You don't need to listen to that. And it just takes a real sort of strength of will to go, that's unhelpful and it's unnecessary. And think of all of the wonderful people who you love and respect who have either no Instagram followers or a normal amount and they are all totally fine yeah that's a really good point it's I imagine it's very difficult for influencers who surround themselves with other influencer friends because you almost get caught up in that community of people with a distorted sense of community Uh, Mm. but actually you know when you have your quote-unquote real friends that's not the case yeah I also think that um there's so much competition so if you are an influencer and you surround yourself with influencers you're always going to be looking at the numbers that they're getting and the and you know the engagement that they're getting and you're always going to be wondering why someone else is better than you and I find that taking myself out of that situation entirely has been the only way for me to really make sense of why I wanted so many followers and and who who is that little voice is that your inner critic is that is that the ghost of Stella who is that I don't know I mean I guess in a way it's probably the ghost of who I was when I was doing Stella because you you can never get rid rid of that completely like you can rationalize why it exists and you can you know tell it to piss off but it's there's always a part of me that you know I mean I wouldn't have become a stand-up comedian if I didn't love validation you know there's a part of me that just loves being told that I'm funny and I'm good and I'm making good decisions but you know you just have to learn to trust yourself that like I know that I'm funny I'm not going to stop being funny just because I'm not making people laugh 
you just have to sort of just trust that it's there and it will be okay and that the right people will appreciate it yeah and uh, coming back to uh, towards the start of this podcast you said that learning to be alone it's given you a really bolstered sense of self-esteem in terms of your creative self-esteem as as a comedian do you do you like yourself anymore now do you find yourself any more funny now that you're being yourself rather than Stella definitely because I hated being Stella so when I first started I loved it It was amazing I thought it was so funny and I, I felt great about it and then as as time went on and I I ran out of jokes and I fell out of love with the character I was like okay well I, I want to do something else now but I couldn't I was beholden to her and I, I I performed a whole comedy show I did a whole month at the Edinburgh Fringe and I hated the show so much I just wished I wasn't doing it I didn't think it was funny at all and um now that I'm free to just be myself it just sounds so weird who shouldn't be free to be themselves um I I have so much more faith in my abilities like writing that memoir was such a wonderful cathartic experience for me because my old agent who was in the book messaged me and she was like I'm so happy you got to make something that's just 100% you because it's in my voice it's my stories it's my sense of humor and I didn't have to shoehorn a gag about energy balls in once (laughs) yeah yeah How, how quickly before that joke got old to you first time I'd say I made, wow. it, I made it a hundred million times. I wow. really, <laughs> I really committed to it. But I think in any, in any sort of normal conversation in life, once I've made a joke, I've made it like it's landed. That's fine. It's done. But with the Stella thing, it felt like I just had to keep going over and over old material. And, you know, every time I tweaked it, it got slightly less effective and it would get slightly less likes. And I'd be like, here I am flogging this dead horse. I'm so mortified. And then when I killed Stella, I realized that nobody else felt that way. That was all in my head. Everyone else was just like, no, it's still lol. But for me, I was just like, I'm not being creatively challenged. I was just yeah, desperate to like prove myself as God knows what. <laughs> and have never performed comedy since. So it's going really well. Yeah. Wow, it's like um, it's like some Frankenstein situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stella is Stella's Frankenstein's monster, and I am Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting in in the book because there's this um, almost strange situation where I think there's an event you go to in the book where someone who's associated with deliciously Ella, maybe an influencer friend of hers, is at the event, and there's this strange animosity created over a joke that you never expected to go so far oh yeah I mean completely it was it was mad I sort of got accused of of bullying and you know lots of people thought that what what I was doing wasn't kind and I in my normal life if I'd known that I was doing something that was hurting someone I I think I would just stop but because it had become a sort of it, it, it had become a career and I you know I I did think it was justified and I didn't think it was unkind I carried on going but there was there was still a part of me that was like people think you're mean and and you don't like that that doesn't make you feel good but in a way it was sort of a real test of my boundaries and what I believed was right and whether I thought something was worth doing and I was like I don't believe this is unkind 
and I am going to keep doing it. Mm. So, yeah, so that element of it was almost okay in terms of, you know, I guess holding the wellness industry to, not necessarily to account, but, you know, at least showing it was open to parody or to... Exactly. I think, I think it took itself incredibly seriously. And uh, a lot of it was based in, in untruths and it was capitalizing on women's insecurities. And they're all things that I completely disagree with. And, you know, I did take somebody's name and repurpose it for comedy purposes, but it was not a direct parody of any one person. And it wasn't designed to be unkind at all. And I think that if you are going to be a sort of billionaire wellness um like entrepreneur then you're you're going to have to be held to account and there are going to be people who are a lot smaller and a lot less successful than you you know telling you that maybe what you're doing isn't all good and you should be able to accept that and also just have a laugh just laugh at yourself like come on mm. it's yeah. a haribo egg like I've not posted <laughs> shit through your letterbox uh, yeah it was all very strange. And then, of course, the wellness industry then got held to account in a in a much more serious, proper way. So, you know, I, I guess what you were doing was very, it was very lighthearted. It always was. It was just a gentle poke, I thought. Mm. And then it was it was taken so seriously. And, you know, lawyers called and it was all like, you, you can't make this co- comedy cookbook where you make health recipes out of sweets. And I was like, why? why like what world do we live in where that wouldn't be okay like yeah in, in what world is your need to sell mung beans so important so coming back to that idea of aloneness now how has your relationship with yourself moved on now that you professionally and personally can be yourself how how is that do you do you find yourself I don't know, do you feel more connected to yourself now that it doesn't have to be put across on Instagram all the time, for instance? I think that I think I know myself a lot better and I'm a lot more comfortable with telling people who I am and what I need and not letting anyone cross any boundaries that I've set for myself. And I think that was incredibly difficult because when I was being deliciously stellar, there, there were things that I wanted that I didn't know how to get. And so I said yes to absolutely everything in a desperate bid to get there. Mm. And now I, I don't have some sort of crazy pipe dream desire that I want to get to anymore. And therefore I'm a lot more measured in my decision-making. And I know, I know deep down now that I definitely don't want to be famous. So I guess it's a lot easier to say no. But at the time, if anyone offered me anything that would give me any profile, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, totally, totally. Like, I'll do it no matter how embarrassing it is. And now I'm like, no, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't like to do that. And that is fine. Yeah. Um, that, you know, did you, that the famous thing is really interesting because I suppose we interrogate it more now because it's like, well, famous for what? It's that Andy Warhol thing of, you know, everyone will have their 10 minutes of fame in the future. We sort of Mm. all get it. I mean, you know, not to a deliciously stellar level of fame, but I guess everyone has their chance to be a bit more public and seen now. Does that, does that still hold any appeal? It really, really doesn't. I'm, I'm turning the book into a TV show at the moment. And um, there was a bit of chat of, would you like to play yourself? And I can honestly say that I have no desire at all to do so because I don't want to be front facing. I don't want to be recognized. 
I don't want celebrity in the way that I thought that I did when I first started Deliciously Seller. I thought that if I was famous, that nothing could hurt me and no one could ever tell me that I was wrong ever again. And that I would, I would automatically feel good about myself for the rest of my life. And now I know that no amount of popularity, fame or validation from anyone else is going to make you feel good about yourself. You've just got to do it on your own. Mm. And do you still get recognized at all in Mallorca? I mean, very rarely, maybe like an expat or two. If I yeah. tell them who I am, we'll go, oh, I used to follow you, but no one sort of sees me. And it's like, oh, that's literally Stella. But it used to happen all the time. Mm. Mm. I used to follow you. Do you hear that a lot from people? Oh, all the time. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, I followed you. I didn't know you were still on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, yeah no, I just posted myself. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, living this life in Mallorca, uh, and, you know, and again, this very, you know, very different, very wellness aligned life in some ways what's your what's your alone month how do you practice that positive alone time with yourself I just I think through necessity I'm just on my own quite a lot of the time and I think it's it's all about knowing what your balance is and how much time alone you need versus how much time you need with other people and and it's making an active choice to choose when you do both things so I think that when alonement becomes loneliness it's almost a sort of a form of victimhood because if you haven't chosen to be alone and then you find yourself alone you feel sorry for yourself but if you go okay well I'm alone right now but I have organized to go and see these people at this point which is a choice that I've made then it's sort of then that sort of changes the narrative in your head. I remember when I was in London, I'd sometimes have these weekends where I'd feel incredibly lonely, where I just hadn't really bothered to make any plans in time. And therefore being alone would feel like an affliction instead of a choice. Hmm. But, you know, I was always ultimately in control. I could have chosen to sort things out. I have lots of friends, but instead I would sort of borrow into my flat and feel terribly sad that nobody wanted to hang out with me. Whereas your lifestyle now, so much of it is defined by choice. You chose to be yourself and not continue being this character with all these followers. You chose to go and live in Mallorca. So I suppose that makes all of it in that sort of framing scenario a more positive aloneness. Yeah, no, I have. I think I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing how I want to live my life instead of let, letting life happen to me in the way that I was before. Yeah. A lot of people when I speak to about alone months, so, you know, when I ask them, when is your joyful solo time? A lot of people, when I say this to them, they conflate it again with that wellness movement. They think about, you know, the hashtag self-care it still is a bath bomb. It still is making a green juice. It still is these things that they've seen on Instagram. Are you you influenced by that notion at all? Do you ever feel like you have to do self-care or have to almost consciously practice those things? I find the term self-care very annoying. I find, especially with regards to mental health, I find the idea that you can pop a bath bomb in your bath when you're genuinely anxious or depressed, just quite insulting. I mean, unless that bath bomb's full of Valium when I'm very ill, like, there's nothing's going to work. 
And I mean, yeah, I think that well, self care has been completely co opted. It's its roots were based in sort of um, non white women's access to medicine, um, and now it's just this this sad hashtag. But then, in the same way, I do think that spending time consciously alone is good for the soul and is a good thing to practice because there will always be a time in your life when you might accidentally end up alone or you might you might end up alone not through choice and if you've done it through choice before you'll find it a lot easier to deal with mm. when it happens mm. and what, what do your evenings in alone in Mallorca look like well my evenings alone in Mallorca are now not so alone because I have a pug um and he's an absolute menace and yeah so I'm not I'm not totally on my own anymore but I I read constantly and I listen to a lot of podcasts and like there's nowhere more beautiful to just go and sit on the beach by yourself and listen to a podcast and watch sunset. And it's, it's incredible. Just, I just look outside and it's, yeah, just I'm, I'm surrounded by mountains and beautiful countryside. And it's so easy when I'm in the car and I'm driving by myself to find myself sort of thinking about something or like ruminating and just, being quite negative and then I just look outside and I'm like just focus for 10 seconds on where you are and where you live and how beautiful it is and you don't feel alone and you don't feel like anything is bad because you just feel lucky again mm. I always think um I don't know I think back to the romantic poets and I think they were good at making alone time cool and yeah, yeah. exactly I don't know why we all want to be with other people anyway like, <laughs> people are annoying mm. Like, I think that loads of people would benefit from a bit of hermit time. <laughs> hermit time. Maybe maybe we should rebrand this podcast. Hermit time. Shall we actually? That could be a new yeah. movement. Maybe that could be my new brand, hermit time. I'm not just taking pictures time. of myself in caves in various parts of New York. It's handsome hermit time. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if the green juice business falls through, then oh, there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the nut butter, actually, that's going to be my calling. Yeah, the nut butter. Um, maybe you can sell nut butter from the cave, the hermit that sells the nut butter who used to be deliciously Stella. Oh, yeah. Have you heard about that woman? Yeah, that one who used to be deliciously Stella who makes nut butter in that cave. Yeah, she's an absolute babe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe that, whoever plays you in the TV show could incorporate that. That's sort of the ending oh, credits. That's the backstory. <laughs> that will be the backstory that I emerged from a cave covered in nut butter. Oh, Oh, I adore that. But, you know, it, it does come back to that. Um, you know, the romantic poets would just talk about, yeah, talk about looking at nature. And I suppose it stops you from being alone when you actually appreciate the world around you. Because, of, of course, you know, we're, we're not alone, even if that's just, you know, looking out the window and seeing the sun and the environment. And, uh, you know, in, in your case, your lovely pug as well. It's, oh, it's yeah. nice to be part of something. It is, it is. And, you know, um, everyone's connected to the earth. So therefore you're connected to other people. And, you know, no matter, no matter how alone you are, where we, we're surrounded by people all of the time, we're just not reaching out to them. Finally, I'm really interested to know, because you are still on Instagram, on as yourself, as opposed to on as Stella. For someone wanting to remain on Instagram or remain on their social media of choice, as you have, and you know, still be able to have a fulfilling life and not get not become an accidental influencer or you know an accidental social media addict. What would be your tips for creating that boundary that 
allows that to happen? I think um, disable the likes on your posts because you shouldn't be sharing because you want likes. You should be sharing because you think something is worth sharing. I think every time you actively choose to go on Instagram, you should know what your intention is before you go on. So you shouldn't go on to just scroll or to just randomly like stuff. You should go on because you want to look at a top that you saw the other day or you want to check out what your friend is doing you haven't seen for a while. And then another layer is I think that you should only go on Instagram if you want to use it for genuine human connection. So don't go on, leave a flames emoji on your friend's dress picture and then not say anything else. Go on, put the flames emoji on, then text her and say, you looked really great in that photo on Instagram. Let's get a date in the diary. Because then it becomes an active thing instead of a passive thing. And I think that my main problem with Instagram was that I relied on it as a as a crutch. And it was just this sort of passive security blanket that lived in my pocket Mm. where which I thought I got good out of but what I really just got was a rush of dopamine that I eventually overdosed on Mm. that's so interesting yeah I love that idea of yeah going on posting that very easy flames emoji or like or whatever but actually then following up that you know kind of holding yourself accountable to that mm. yeah and that and that intention setting before you log on how how would that work would you sort of give yourself would that be a rule would you have to would you have to pause before you go on or write that down yeah. somewhere or yeah no I think you just ask yourself before you open the app why am I opening this app and if you can't answer it don't open it yeah if you if you don't and it's so difficult I know because it's almost sort of like a a knee-jerk reaction you know you're like oh I've got a second on the tube or whatever and you just you just open it but you can train your brain to go what is this for like why why am I doing this and what else could I do instead that might be a bit more healthy Hmm. Hmm. and at the end of your book you you talk about you know in Mallorca often you will disable your Instagram or delete your Instagram for a few days at a time how does that feed into your aloneness does it make it any better or worse or how does that work it just means I read loads more books yeah and I love reading books and I think I'd forgotten when I was an influencer I didn't read I had I think I read a single book for about three years because my brain was constantly on Instagram and as soon as you get rid of your social media apps it just opens up so much more opportunity to do something else you've got to make an active choice to make a plan that will distract you because we all know how easy it is to just open it up again Hmm. and I think that yeah with with that being the default thing to do you lose out on potentially finding something else that you want to do more Hmm. Hmm. so it's the default but of course not the best way to spend definitely not the definitely not the best I mean it's got its merits don't get me wrong I really loved it but yeah there are other things that you could be doing that might actually nourish your soul more than going on Instagram Hmm. Mm. and your love of reading now what, what do you read oh everything I'm reading sorrow and bliss at the moment it's really good I read that two weeks ago it was probably the best thing I've read all year it's so funny apart from your book of course Bella. oh obviously yeah no my book is <laughs> better but sorrow, sorrow, <laughs> bliss, sorrow and bliss is great she's so funny like I just I'm laughing out loud my parents are like so you say it's about sort of like depression and I'm like yes it's very sad but it's also very funny <laughs> Bella, it's been so nice to speak to you and get to know you. Thank you. This has been really fun. Thanks so much for coming on. Anytime. 
Hey guys, I really hope you're enjoying the show. While this particular episode may have come to an end, the conversation is just beginning. Head over to alonement.com to hear more about Alonement and sign up to our free monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram at alonementofficial. Oh, and remember that sharing is caring. So if you got something from this episode, why not share with a friend who you think might benefit from listening? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 